Hello, folks. This is Princess. You are listening to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to share with your friends. It's tough. We're in a very tough spot. I think that what we're doing right now is a great benefit and virtue because it's an end around between this whole corrupt informational system, media system. We claim to believe in a God who spoke the universe into existence and literally raised himself from the dead. And yet we're not going to believe that anything else exists in the spirit realm, even though his word tells us that they do. Their bodies weren't permitted to go to sleep like humans do. And they weren't permitted to go to heaven. So they wander the earth. You know, I've seen the eyes turn black to unknown tongues being spoken. These giants would live way up in the highlands. The young graves, the young men would hide up in the trees and wait for one of these 12 footers to come walking down the path and they would jump on them and kill them and drag them back to the village and the village would feast on the body. Freedom! Then people start to get weapons, they start to get armor, they start to build cities, they start to fortify their cities. Now, God looks down and there's violence everywhere. The battle, this war that we are at, is not against each other. It's against these principalities and these rulers and these archons in the high places. It's really worthwhile to read the Bible yourself. Fear is one of the primary drivers of mind control. Because we have to take every thought captive and resist fear. You're going to have a testimony that is a justice case against the kingdom of darkness. You live in illusion and the appearance of things. There is a reality, but you do not know this. When you understand this, you will see that you are nothing. And being nothing, you are everything. That is all. Welcome back to the Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. I'm your host, Rod. Thank you for being here with me. I have a heartthrob episode for you guys. I am joined by Anita, and she has quite a story to tell. This is one of those episodes where she shares her testimony. We dive into some supernatural experiences. We talk about dreams, visions, battles in the supernatural realm. Anita is a worship leader in a very large church out west, and she works with the youth, helping them to know what it really means to worship God, having an audience of one. This is an important episode. I reached out to Anita after finding her through the Tim Moon episode that I did with author Tim Moon, Tomato Fields is his book. And it was one of these connections where she has this amazing story. She gets emotional on this interview as she shares things that I don't think she's ever shared on air before. And I'm in the background, I get a little bit emotional too, just listening to what she's went through. But there's something about our testimonies and how the blood of the Lamb causes us to overcome. You know, Christ is the strong tower. He's our refuge. He's the one who keeps us together through all these seasons of life. And that's why this episode is so important. I think it's awesome that Anita has been listening to the podcast for a couple years now and has found it to be helpful and edifying. She's married for over 20 years. She has four boys. Her oldest son is going to Bible college in the fall. 
and it just it, a beautiful family, a beautiful testimony. Check the show notes on each episode description. This one will have a link to both of Anita's Instagram pages so you can reach out to her. So if you have a story, a dream vision, just something you want to reach out to me to come on to the podcast and share, please do that. You guys can find my email in the show notes. And I need you to give me that five-star rating and review. Write me a written review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps the show grow, you guys. We want to reach more people. God is going to do some amazing things through this little tiny mustard seed of faith here. And that's exciting for me because that's all I have is a little tiny seed of faith. And to see what God has already done and what he's going to continue to do. It's humbling and it's an honor just to be able to create episodes for you guys to enjoy that helps encourage you and helps you guys open open your eyes to what's really going on here and with all that being said i'm ready to jump into this awesome testimony with anita are you guys ready let's go My name is Anita, and I'm coming to you from Idaho, and you're listening to The Millennial Mustard Seed. That was an awesome introduction, Anita. It is a pleasure to be with you on this recording. I'm just thrilled that you've asked me to come and share my testimony, so I'm excited. You know, we listen to each other's stories because really, this podcast, I'm capturing my journey throughout these last couple of years and just sharing how hearing other people's stories and how broadening the the spectrum and asking strange things about the Bible and wrestling through my own experiences has helped me personally. So it's an honor when I just get to connect with other people around the country, around the world, and just hear your story. And we were talking a little bit off air. You're going to reach people that only you can reach. So it's a good thing. (laughs) Yes, definitely. Why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Wow, let's see. So I am married. Uh, We've been married for 20 years. Um, Praise God for that. Um, Four boys. (laughs) They range from two teenagers. One is getting ready to leave the house for Bible college. And then my youngest is um, just turned seven. So it's been quite a, just a lot of bumps, a lot of turns. But, you know, God has been there through all of it and has really just shown so much kindness to our family. And so I can start from the very beginning um, of my testimony is I was about seven years old when I really felt the Lord and um, the Holy Spirit just work in me. Yeah, this was about the same time where I started taking voice lessons because I was just, I I told my parents, I want to learn how to sing. I want to do it the right way. And so Funny, um, my mom actually told my dad, (laughs) she says, "Um, I don't think that we should give her voice lessons. She's kind of like a tomboy. What if she doesn't sound good? What if she doesn't? And my dad was like, no, we need to give her, you know, a chance and see, like, just give her the tools. So my mom, obviously now she, (laughs) she's like, I'm so sorry. I just barely found out about this story not that long ago either. So. But um, because <laughs> um, my older sister was taking voice lessons and I wanted to do I, you know, I wanted to be like her. And so 
I, little did I know that that was something that God had put inside of me because he was going to use that later. And so, you know, my teacher was like, well, you have a natural talent. You have like really good um, range for your age. And so I used that and I started to sing in church. They let me come to the main worship team and I started to just kind of they mentored me at a very young age and I do different specials. And there was one time I was singing at a girls camp. So I'm not sure if a lot of people are familiar with, um, I grew up in the Assemblies of God. So we had we had missionettes and royal rangers. So it's basically just like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts, but it's all Bible-based. Um, you go through curriculum that teaches you the Bible. And I mean, it's, it's really, really a great program. And so this is where the story begins. I remember one time I was singing at a, at a girls camp I was ministering through a song and they called and they said, if you wanted, you know, to dedicate your life, which I had done before, um, just growing up in church, I had accepted him when I was really young, but this time was different. And I remember I went up to the front and I just felt the Holy Spirit wash over me and, and I heard the voice of the father say, I want you for me. And I didn't know what that meant. And I just knew that later on, I found out that he wanted me to just sing for him, use my talents for him. And I remember making that commitment to him saying, I will only use what you have given me because you're my creator. So what you've put inside of me was meant for you. And I remember just at that young age, as time went on, that stayed with me. So it was a serious thing I did at seven years old. And just as I grew older, I just started to realize, you know, this is, he doesn't want me to use what, why would I use what he's put inside of me to glorify anything other than him? And so just taking that with me, um, I was about eight, nine years old when I auditioned for this. Um, it was like a traveling music ministry for kids and we'd go to different churches and it, and it was, you know, we were sharing the gospel. We were doing, you know, different, it was some musical. It was amazing. I had such a great time. And that was the first time that I experienced just performing arts um, in the church. We lived in La Puente, California, and we went to, okay, I'm sorry. I skipped over the first supernatural experience. Let me rewind. <laughs> so, um, I was born in Ontario, Oregon, and um, at the age of five, my mom um, got a job to be a secretary to the Dean of Students in La Puente, California at LABI, and my dad got a job there as um, the head of maintenance. So we were traveling. This was a huge um, um, move for us and for my parents. And they felt that's where the Lord was calling them. Well, I was five years old. My sister was about seven and my brother was just a baby. We were on the back seat. We had a U-Haul that we were hauling with our car. And all of a sudden there was just a big boom of fire that the engine caught on fire. And this is something that I don't remember this part of the story. This is what my mom told us later. And so my dad went into shock. Um, he's a veteran. He actually he's he actually passed away uh, about a year ago. So going on a year and a half now. Um, 
but he he struggled with PTSD. And back then we didn't know that's what it was he was struggling with. Um, he would have nightmares and, and just, it was really bad. Well, because of what he was struggling with, he actually froze and he didn't know, he, he couldn't hear. My mom was yelling. My mom was shaking him because he was driving. And, and I mean, the car was on fire. The engine was on fire. So he, fi- my mom was praying and finally he, he snapped out of it and he pulled over. He pulled me out of the side of the car. My mom got my sister and my brother out. I, this is where I remember. So this is, I had an out-of-body experience where all of a sudden I see, but I'm looking at this scene where the car's on fire and my parents are trying to remove the U-Haul from the car. Me and my sister are standing on the side of the highway and we're in our pajamas. And I'm looking at this scene from behind. So I can see just be just um, the picture of me and my sister on the highway, but I'm only watching it from behind. So I, and I remember to this day, I see the ruffles in, in the back of our pajamas, like moving in the wind. And I see that, that picture of my sister holding my baby brother. And that's all that I remember. And then the next thing I know, firemen come and we're at a hotel. I was crying for my Cabbage Patch doll <laughs> because I was like, I want to <laughs> save her, my Cabbage Patch doll. And the firefighters brought, they, they were able to mm. save them. But my dad said that we were crying for our, like our dolls and that he couldn't get it. Well, so let me go back a little bit in the story. So this is what's happening from my parents' perspective. So they're trying to detach the U-Haul from the car and they're not having any luck. And all of a sudden, a blue Volkswagen, um, a little blue powder blue Volkswagen drives up. There's three men and they're very tall. And my dad says that he he said that he just remembered them being very tall and he didn't know how they all fit in that little um, <laughs> that little Volkswagen. And they push my parents aside. They gently move them aside and they work all three of them with their hands. And my dad says he couldn't see what they were doing. And in minutes, it was moved, the, the U-Haul was detached from the car. And so my mom turns around to say thank you and they're just gone. The car's gone, they're gone, they disappear. And so my dad always said, you know, that God has has his angels that. And that was, and I always believed that. Since I was young, I believed all I mean, that was my first encounter that I had where it was kind of an out-of-body experience. Um, but I knew that there was so much more that the Bible doesn't didn't talk about, that there was so much more in the Bible that we don't even understand. And I and I knew that. And so going through life when I had these experiences, I always knew. I mean, people would say that I'm crazy, but I always knew that no, there's I mean, think about the prophets, think about the disciples, think about these people that they've, they've walked through these experiences. And, and regardless of what other people say, you have those experiences. And so, you know, in your heart, you know, in your spirit that they're true, but, and a lot of people don't mean harm by saying you're like, they're just, they just can't accept it because maybe they haven't had experiences or maybe there's, 
they've had bad experiences. And so that's what I tell my kids because my kids also have um, dreams, visions, and encounters. And I always tell them they're not like, don't, don't be offended when someone says that you're crazy, but it's just because they don't understand and they haven't had those experiences or maybe they've had bad experiences. So it's always like a teaching moment (laughs) when we go through these things with my boys. But so that was the very first one. So, I mean, after that, we grew up, my dad. Um, so I'm, I'm half Native American. Um, and my dad, it's from my dad's side. He's Apache and we're from the Chiricahua tribe. And so we, he always told us that we were descendants, um, direct descendants of Geronimo. And he had different heirlooms um, that his father had but his father gave them to, so my dad has, um, all boy, like all brothers. And I guess my, and my dad is the oldest and my grandfather gave them to the other boys and, and not my dad. And, but there was a lot of dysfunction there. He wasn't saved. My father, my grandfather, he was an alcoholic and there was just a lot of just kind of abuse that my dad went through. Um, he, he didn't get saved until he was 30, but that's a whole other, I mean, that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, so I have, a, yeah. I have a question for you. Like, I, I had a similar experience when I was seven years old, like an out of, I, oh, wow. it's hard for me to describe like an out of body yeah. experience, but can you kind of like go into a little more detail? Like you say, you see you and your sister, your sister's with your, your baby brother, I think it is, but you're like, are you up in the corner, like looking I'm down, like, watching this like- unfold? So I feel like I'm floating in and I'm like be directly behind, but kind of far away. So it's not, yeah, it's more of, and I feel, I can feel like I still remember the feeling of the wind. So if I can feel the wind around me, that's why I'm thinking maybe I was like floating. Like I felt like mm. I was floating behind, behind us. Like, and I'm seeing myself and I'm seeing my sister and I see the detail of, of the ruffles in the back of our pajamas, just like, like float, like floating. And it was snowing. Wow. So this happened while, mm. while it was snowing. <laughs> it was cold. It, I remember seeing the snow on the, on the sides of the highway. Um, but it, and the fire in the car was engulfed in flames. It, and this was, I guess my mom, they were able, there was a few cars that stopped to help. And that's when they called the, the um just you know for help but yeah it's wow. it's still it still blows my mind how i can remember now and i'm in my 40s <laughs> and i still remember that experience um it it i think when we have these experiences and you know it's like no one can take away what you felt and how and what you experienced um in that moment and um i believe that there's a lot of people that that have these in, in experiences, encounters, and don't, and they can't make sense of it. And so it's so important that we share these, these stories and so that we can say there is a group of us out here. It's okay that you've had these experiences. You're not crazy. <laughs> there is yeah. a, there's a place that we can yeah. share this and, and understand because we, and it also opens your eyes to say we live the spiritual realm is so real it's more real than reality um but to understand it 
or to be, and I do believe that the Lord does, um, we're not, we're not able to see everything because I don't think we could handle it. (laughs) And so when we do have these like moments, um, of encounter or these moments of, um, just supernatural experiences, it, it somehow we're able to tap into that for some reason, like the Lord's allowing us to experience it. Or when we have like attacks, like he's allowing us to go through that because he knows that what we can handle and he knows what we can take. Um, and obviously there is definitely the, there's the darker side of it of, you know, what have you opened yourself up to? If you've opened yourself up to things that can come in and, and give you negative experiences. <laughs> so there's just, um, that was the very first one. And, and honestly, since I hadn't had any dream, so my dad has had has always um, experienced um, dreams, visions. Um, God worked through him where he would see things before they happened. Um, so he's he's definitely walked in the spiritual, but I didn't start to understand a lot of it until I was a teenager, and this is where my story continues. Um, especially in the supernatural. So I I mean, I had an amazing childhood. I loved being in ministry with my parents. Um, my dad always showed us how to connect to our Native American side and, and how that made, that was part of who we were and how God made us special in that way. And he never, my sis, my older sister now, she's actually has, um, she has, she made a business out of her gifting to, um, I'm sorry, I'm losing it, um, to make um, Native American art. So she does beadwork and she does, she carries, she's carrying on what my dad did um, when he was here. And it's beautiful to see her express her creativity in, in that. And she's just learning more about our roots. And it's always like her and I have conversations and we're always talking. I always tell her, I'm like, you still have to be careful because there is a lot of witchcraft involved in those things as well. But at the same time, there's so much beauty in, and you hear about, like, I've heard about how in Native American culture, it's all of, it's very much like the Hebrew culture where they, everything was done by stories. So they told stories and they passed those stories on. And it's, and in all of these different native cultures they have like the story of i mean they have all these gods that they that they talk about but they all know that there's one god and they say the creator they refer to him as the creator so a lot of these before you know the invasion of the land and everything that was taken from them they already a lot of these um places knew of jesus but they didn't call him jesus they called him they call him something else and so that's a whole i mean we won't get into that, but that's a whole, that's a yeah, whole that, other thing. That's a future episode. <laughs> I mean, I was watching even just recently, like other people's work and th- there's so many parallels to yeah. each continent has a flood story. And if you really take the time, like we're not going to do this here and, and, and tonight and have that, that discussion, but that's an important part for the listeners. You guys go do some research. You'll see a commonality that is you would literally have to have your head in the sand not to see 
all of the things that every single culture and continent shares these common threads. And a lot of the times the religious spirits like, oh, no, you can't read ancient Mesopotamian documents or no, you can't listen to the oral traditional stories of the American Indians or, you know, they want to box you in. But the thing is. (laughs) there's a holy truth and then there's truth right like it's true i had coffee this morning but that's not holy it's just true i did i drank coffee but when god is is giving us revelation through his word it's holy it's set apart it's sacred and it's eternal and i think a lot of these other things are important to be aware of um but but yeah that that's fascinating that actually got me excited just because i believe down the road we'll be able to have some really cool conversations i am infatuated with uh, American Indian stories. I mean, even the giant stories, mm-hmm. we have local things all around here in Southeastern PA. Like for example, uh, Santa Toga is very close to where I live now and grew up. And it means to look from upon a hill in American Indian. Wow. It's just, it's just so much cool stuff, but I want to, I want to ask you, so let's, let's gear this back towards like your testimony a little bit. You shared this supernatural experience. Oh, yes. um, and then I know like we had talked about like this passion for music. Yes. Right? Yes. And you created some music in your younger days and you're serving right now by just, you know, this is what I love to capture also is like, you have this heart to help, you know, this gathering, this local body, there's younger kids there that are, you're mentoring them and showing them love and actually operating in what I think one of your giftings is, and that's just servitude and compassion and just the wisdom to know these children need inculcated. Right. And so you're helping with the music, you're singing and praising God and offering this gift. So let's dive a little bit into, um, you know, share, share like the 10,000 foot square view of your music background, like kind of how that started okay, and what your passion is for. And then, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of keep going from there. Perfect. Yes, this is the next step um, in the story. So I I started, I've always been involved in music. I, um, when I was younger, God showed me that I would be teaching. And so my goal out of high school, well, when I was in high school, I always did stuff. Um, I had the opportunity in the church. So I used to live, so I wasn't, I'm not, I've, I've been, I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, California, Oakland, Alameda, San Francisco, mostly that's kind of where I say, I mean, I was born in Ontario, but that's kind of where I say that I'm, that I'm from because that's where I spent a lot of my elementary junior high years. And then in high school, the last two years of high school, we moved to Phoenix, Arizona. And that is where um, I got connected to a church where I was able to, they let me handle a youth um, drama ministry. And so we started doing, because I always had this heart. I'm like, why let's create, I wanted to be able to create a space where we, I'd get these gifted um, musicians, gifted singers, gifted like that, or even people that wanted to learn about drama and theater and put it in a place where we're actually using that for God. Because I always had in my heart, everything that I do, all the gifts that I have, I want to give them back to the Lord because he put them in me. And so that was kind of like the motto. That was what was burning in my heart. And so um, at the church I was going to at the time, they allowed me to have this youth drama ministry. And um, I just always, I was like, let's go out to the streets. So we'd go and we'd do like these impromptu, like, um, dramas in the streets 
And then we'd pray for people, people would get saved. And it was, it was pretty crazy. We had a, um, so then the, I had an idea to, my friend lived in this, um, it was like the barrio, like really bad neighborhood. And, but she had a pretty big yard and, and her parents let us go use her yard. And we did like an interpretation of, um, I'm trying to explain how it was. It was just kind of like talking about like you have two choices and the narrow path or the wide path. And we turned that into a music musical that turned into um, just, and it was outside in a yard, like in someone's yard. And, and we did it at night and we had no noise complaints, but we had people walk by and sit down because we set up chairs and we just did this. We, we put music, we did, um, um, I call it like an interpretation because it's back then we used to call it human videos. Now I don't know what the name of it is, um, <laughs> but back then, and I was heavily inspired by Carmen. So props to Carmen because that's what he did. He, he put music and drama all in one. And then he used it as, um, as a ministry to like win souls. And it was beautifully done and it was choreographed. And, and so you can have dance, you can have, all of this and it's all to the Lord and why not use it as a ministry tool? So that was, that was kind of what started that ignited that in me. And so when I was a teen, when I was still in high school, this is what I was doing. And then, and then my world just fell apart because I didn't know that my parents were having marriage, like just problems in the marriage and they didn't really have as much as they put into the ministry, they didn't really have people that came alongside them to help them. And so they kind of were on their own. And I remember hearing my dad just yelling at my mom. And I went, I was 16 years old and I went to my sister's room and we, we prayed uh, all night. We prayed and we're like, God save our, our family. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> and um, it didn't happen. And the next day he left and my sister was like, I, I still remember the conversation that my sister had with him and she was angry and she was the oldest. And, and so she was just like, you know, just really like, she, I mean, yeah, she was just angry saying, how could you do this to the family? Why are you leaving? But it was just really, she was the one that always, she was so much like my dad that they always butt heads. And so that was kind of how he decided to, he left. But I remember the weeks that came, he told, he kind of warned me that he was going to go, but I didn't understand. I was very young and he would come back and he, he regretted it, but he, and he would park in front of the car and cry in his truck. And I remember I was so young. I didn't know what I was like, God, what do I do? You know, how do I, how do I solve this? Cause I was, I was a middle child and just, you know, wanting to always be the peacemaker. And I didn't know like what to do. And so he ended up, he did leave. My, my parents were married 24 years and, but then he left. And I remember that there was a part of like, I, I was going through grief and I didn't know, like, because the dad that I grew up with died that day. And after, and I, and so processing it now as an adult, just understanding what I went through, that's, that's exactly what it was. It was a death because he died, the, the dad that I knew, the dad that raised me. And so it was, my sister was mad at him. He didn't have like, his relationship just broke with the three of us. 
And I remember going going into all of that, I was like, God, I'm not going to let him go. So I would still talk to him. Uh, he, he would marry and divorce like every year. He was just searching and searching and he, he let go. He lost sight of his first love, which is Jesus, because that is the foundation that holds a family together when you're found, you have your foundation on Jesus. But when you lose your, let go of your first love, everything crumbles and it, and it usually does it slowly. And so that, that's what was happening. Like they were involved in the ministry, but they put that, I believe, over, over like their first love. And so coming back to the story, my brother was only 14 years old when my dad left. No, wait, he was younger. Sorry, he was 12 years old. And he went to gangs because the area that we lived in, in Phoenix, um, it was just gang infested and he was looking for a family. And little by little, he would like, and so my mom, our household, because my sister moved out, she got married. And so the household was just me my mom and my brother. So it turned into a, you know, um, two, two parents to just a single parent. And I never thought that that would ever happen to our family. Well, my brother, he would get, he would just be gone for like days. And my mom and I would go look for him and knock on doors and try to find him. And there was this one time that we found him and, and he was just laid out in the street. And he was just high. And I don't know what drugs he was taking, but I remember we brought him home and we like detoxed him and, and just took care of him. And I remember, I remember thinking there are so many youth that are out there that don't have mentors or don't have people that can help them. And that's when I decided when I grew up, I, I was still a teenager. I was 16. I'm like, well, I want to be someone like that. I want to be somebody that could be a mentor or that can be a big sister or just somebody that has a, a that brings the voice of truth into their lives. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know why. No, but, no, don't apologize. I'm I'm on an emotional roller coaster with you. <laughs> and so this leads <sighs> to wow. This leads to the desire to be a leader, you know, the desire to be a mentor, but also it leads to the very one of the first j- prophetic dreams that I had. Um, so uh, it was a night and it was where my brother, he wasn't fully into gangs yet, but he was hanging out with guys that he's like, these are my friends. And I remember he was about 13, 14 now, and I had a dream where he was in the playground. And if you can picture, you know how there's like underneath the swing, when there's a swing set, there's like sand, but there's like a dip in that sand where your feet go as you push. So my brother, a guy had him by his, his ankles and another guy had him by his, his wrists. And they were moving him back and forth in the sand, but it was like really hard, like asphalt sand if you could picture like a street they were moving him back and forth and as they were moving him back and forth they were laughing and they were ripping his face like apart it was being like just scratched and and torn and I remember waking up and I went to him and I said the people that you think are your friends they're not your friends they're laughing they're mocking you and they're they're hurting you and they're not who you think they are and I mean 
in that, in the, the mindset that he was in, he didn't believe that. He didn't believe me. Well, later on, it turns out that these friends from the dream did betray him and they blamed him and he went to jail. And that was the first time that he, he got, yeah, it's pretty, it's a crazy story, but he went to jail and, but what he was sowing, he reaped. He was sowing the lies of the enemy. He believed the lies, what the enemy told him. And then so his hands were doing the works that go along with the lie. And so he began to reap just this, all of this. And when we were growing up, you know, he was just such a happy boy. He was so happy. He was just full of love, always smiling. And so something broke in him when my dad left you know, that just kind of that betrayal of, you know, you left, you abandoned us. So that was the first dream that I had. And I remember it was so vivid and I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't, I didn't want to tell my mom. I told my brother to kind of warn him, but you know, that was it. And he was, since then he had just, his life has been just um, tragedy after tragedy. Um, I guess I'll just quickly touch on his story. I'm so sorry. There's a lot. He got married to um, this girl that he was dating. She had a son already, but then she adopted her siblings, um, a younger brother and a younger sister, because her parents, well, her mom was a druggie and they were, CPS was going to take the kids. So my brother, her and my brother adopted them. And there was just so much tragedy. and, And my mom was moving them from Arizona to Idaho. And my little niece, she ran and she got hit by a semi and she she died instantly. That was another tragedy that, so he had lost her. Well, and he, this happened while he was in jail. He divorced his wife. There was just a lot involved in there. And then she actually was brutally murdered a few years ago in Arizona. I'll, I'll wrap this up really quick. Just so as the years had gone by, you know, we tried to help my brother. He got out of jail, but then he'd go back in. And there was just, I would pray for him all the time. Be like, God, like, why, why is there no, like, I feel like his life is just this tragedy, you know, like he's his whole adult life. He's been in and out of jail on the streets, just trying to cope. And I'm like, there has to be like a solution. Like, can you send someone to help him? Our relationship was, just it was broken because and we were really close but he just was in such a place where he couldn't have a regular relationship with anyone and he was just lost and he was searching and searching and so last year in august it was about 10 in the morning i just felt this this yearning to just pray for my brother and so I prayed for him. It wasn't like an extensive, long, like warrior prayer. It was just like, God, watch over him, take care of him. And then later on that day, I come home and my mom's here and she's like, my brother, his name was Pete. He's like, he was murdered. And I was just, I mean, we lost it. I couldn't believe it. I was like, God. And, And there's so many things that we don't understand that we go through like especially when you face death it's like what like why didn't he find peace you know here on earth and so i just know that he's somewhere because he was saved you know he just 
it was so hard because he was just stuck in this cycle. And so many people out there are stuck in cycles, our loved ones. And and it's cycles that they're thrown into, not by choice, but because of things that happen to them in life. But So what you're saying, it just, it really is touching my heart. And I am on an emotional roller coaster with you as well. No, don't be sorry at all. Like this is, this is the place for that. This is where you're going to reach so many people that you're intended to reach through this, through telling this, your story, your brother's story, your story. There's power in that. Yeah, it, it really, it really is. I'm surprised that I'm able to talk about it. I actually didn't have this too much in the notes because I didn't know how it would come out. <laughs> but it's part. It's he's totally part cool. Of, he's so yeah. part of my story. He is the reason why. And and that dream that I had, it I was like, okay, this. I want to be that voice. I want to be that that person, whoever I can reach. And I remember, I always had so much zeal for the Lord. Um, back then we had meet me at the flagpole. I don't know if you remember that. Um, it was in the nineties, um, early two thousands. And so we do that at my high school and (laughs) I had like five friends and we all went and it was pretty cool because we had this, everyone knew him as the preacher. And so he was the preacher and, um, he was an ex gang member. And so he would go and he would like, just, he had no shame. He would preach. He'd stand in the middle of, of lunch and just like have a word of the Lord. Anyway, so we would all lock arms and pray. And we decided we're going to do this every morning. So we'd get up early. We'd meet each other at the flagpole every morning and we'd pray. I mean, people would like throw stuff at us. Like we'd get trash thrown at us. Like they would laugh at us. They would like mock us. And but we just prayed for them. And there was this one girl. Her name was Mary. And she would just so mean to me like all the time. And I would just be kind to her. I would just, I just pray God just that she would feel your love in the words that I speak or just that she would see me and see you. And so one day she comes up and she's like, Hey, so you go to church, right? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, can I go with you one day? And I was so shocked, but I was like crying. Thank you, Jesus. Because that was the goal. That is the goal. She was my age, but I was her kind of like her big sister. And she would call me when her dad was chasing her in the house. And she, because he was abusive, she would lock herself in the bathroom. And and I told her, I'm like, you got to call the cops. You got, let me help you. And she would say, no, no, it gets worse. We've tried and they don't help. And it was just this, this really sad story. But she finally did get out with her little brother. It took a while, but she was able to get out. But it was just this thing of, you know, I'm going to lay myself down and and I'm going to go and be faithful and be there every day at the flagpole and somebody's going to get saved. And she did get saved. And I remember I laid hands on her and she's like, I just need to tell you that when you touched me, I felt fire. I felt a warmth come out of your hands. And I, and I know that that's the power of the Lord because she got saved and then she started preaching at school and she was like using her voice for the Lord, but it took one person to say, I'm going to do this and and I'm going to do it consistently. And so as the years went on, I just, I got in touch with some people that did, cause I always did music. I would do back then in the day we had tracks where we would buy, I'd go to the book, the Bible bookstore, (laughs) the Christian bookstore, and they'd have tracks that you could buy that, that you'd, you know, from your favorite 
Christian artists and then you could sing them. So I always went to the gospel ones. And so that's what we did. I mean, they don't now you can make your own beat, you know, online and there's so much more. But that's where I started and I started ministering that way in like evangelistic events, like in my community. And then I got in touch with these um, two rappers. They they were called Innergate. I don't know. I lost contact with them, but they're like, hey, we know a guy that has a studio and um, for you to come in and we'd love to like do a collaboration with you. And I was like, great, that's awesome. And so that produced um, the first, you know, demo that I had. And it was, I still, I mean, sometimes I'm like, you know what? I was like, this is pretty good for, for like the very first thing that I've ever done in the early 2000s. (laughs) It was pretty cool to be involved in, in something like that. And so then I met my husband, which is another crazy crazy story, which I know we don't have time for that, but it's part of it's part of this whole process that, that God was preparing me for. And so he's the reason why I live in Idaho now. <laughs> and that's like the whole way that I got here to Idaho is all God. But um, I'm trying to condense this, cause, but it's all, it all flows together. But I mean, yeah, I, I just, I remember being younger and my dad would go preach at, um, Victory Outreach. And that's where I got to meet T-Bone, which he was like one of my favorite rappers back in the day. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh. And then, you know, DC Talk. And I love DC Talk because I loved how they were all uniquely different as a group, but they all had their own um, like form of like way that they that they sang differently. And so that's been my whole problem like this. Well, it's not a problem. It's just... I've always struggled with when people say, well, what kind of music do you create? And I just tell them, well, whatever I feel in the moment. Sometimes I, I want to do, like, my roots are definitely um, R&B, hip-hop. Like, that's deeply rooted, like, um, the gospel and all of that. And And so I'm just like, now you know, fast forward to where we're at now. I mean, you have people combining all different styles of music. When I created the the demo that I did, I brought it to Idaho and I used it in different events and I would, you know, share the story of my brother. And I mean, it's, it's a little hard now to share it because he is, he did pass away. It's all involved in just this music ministry that the Lord has given me. And, and I always thought that I would be like a Christian music artist by now that I would have like all these things out that I would be touring, that I would be traveling, but you know, God had, he put me in the dirt. And that's what I say, you know, I died a long time ago because isn't that what we're supposed to be as Christians? We, we lay ourselves down, we die because when we die, we can't be offended. When we die, it doesn't matter what people say about us anymore. When we die, we allow the Lord to come in and completely use us for his will because isn't that why we're here like we all have a mission we all have a purpose and the only way that we can fully reach that purpose i believe is when we die and we hold on to our first love fiercely because that is what the enemy will try to take because if he can take your first love if he can take jesus and your passion and your commitment to him and make you say no it's all about self then he can overcome us because then we start, we, we move our eyes on ourselves and our gifts and what, what we can do, you know, the American dream, like we start looking and I'm not saying there's anything wrong, you know, but it's like, why not put 
the dreams and the visions that God gives us and put that to use in our life. And that might not look like you're, you're making like all this money or you have your dream. That might not be what your road is. Like it might not be that. <laughs> and I think the American dream focuses on that. You know, and, and I'm and I'm not saying definitely agree. You know, get in debt. I'm not saying like it's good to be broke. No, but there are times where where we won't have like everything. You know. Well, I think our- a lot of people are afraid to actually take the journey. They want that end vision and end goal. They want to have that wisdom and they want to be dead to self enough that God is willing to use them and work through them to cause his will to come about. But they don't want to go through the seasons that actually develop that kind of character. That's what I see. That's what I wrestle with. Cause a lot of times I'm like, God, do you really want me here? I remember FLF when I had him on, he said, yeah, the apostle Paul said, I'm a tent maker. Yeah. I'm, I'm ashamed for the sake of the gospel and you're glorified. Right. And it's like, sometimes we have to just trust this process and journey. And a couple of things I just want to comment on because, you know, I'm literally sitting back here, just taking this ride with you and heart throb, (laughs) I'm heart throbbed by it, but we, we never know what happens in the final moments of our life here. Yeah. Like the mystery, the power of God, the glory of who God is and how he works all things together. We, we don't know what happens in those last moments of our life on earth. So I'll just let that plant that seed and let people deal with that as they will. And then when you said you were making that track and then you took it to Idaho with you as encouragement, like for all of us, we have an audience of one first and foremost. So like you're saying like, Hey, it's not always going to be like these lights and this glamour and, and maybe, and you know what, maybe that's right around the corner. Maybe all of his preparation for what God wanted to, to take you on, right? Look, look at Joseph's story. I mean, the, the word is there to edify us, to encourage us, to discipline us, that we can literally have a baseline, a template to be like, God, work this all out in me, right? So just looking at the story of Joseph, how many years he went through hardship and deprivation until God brought him to a place where it's like, yo, they intended that for evil, but I decided to turn that around, flip the script on him and make it good. But we have an audience of one. Yeah. Like God, he's watching. And as long as we're pleasing him, like you were saying, I wanted to just take this gift and I wanted to worship God with it. Right. You're talking about, you know, 20 minutes ago, you're talking about you and your girlfriend that were in the backyard in this, you know, kind of city setting, just demonstrating and glorifying God. Um, and then, you know, you talk about this track, this music that you made. See, we have to be right with God before he gives us any other position. So I I literally feel the momentum building <laughs> like for your future and how God's going to use you. And even this episode right here, like that, this is the significance that I, I always talk about the ripple effect. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rambling, but no, th- this please. is important. Yes, this is, is important. The ripple effect. And we can, we can reach people. You have a specific way to reach people that only you can reach. Yeah. And like, we don't know where this ripple effect is going to go. We don't know. I love hearing the, like the stories or the movies or reading in a book about, you know, some young kid is on like the, the edge of the cliff of life, right? Like everything went wrong. And then they, 
hear this story or this program, somebody shares a testimony and 20 years later, they held on to that in this secret place, like remembered something somebody said, and it caused them to have courage to, uh, it fits into many different boxes, but that happens. Yeah. Like, so we don't know when you're sharing your journey, your story, your heart, who that's going to affect. And I think that's where it gets very exciting and interesting. You are strong and bold because you're coming out and talking about stuff. I'm a full grown man. And I'm like, I cannot cry on my own podcast. I got to mute my mic and just let her finish. There's so much. I mean, God is so good. Like it, I've had a lot of prophetic words spoken over me, but the one I will share recently. um, And I do want it. There's two really important encounters that I've had uh, spiritually that I want to do share, but I just want to say this really quick. So recently I had, um, there's a, a prophetic, um, he, he does like, prof- like prayers and then God will give him, you know, words of knowledge or, or different things for people. And, and there was one recently that he came in May and, um, he, he knows us, like he knows my family and, and he came and he, he prayed over us and he had this word for me. And he said, he says, wow. He's like, it seems that you've walked through very, a lot of things so much has come against you and it almost seems to the to the place where it's unfair and i just like started bawling because it's what he was saying was it it was true and that's kind of when people give you you know and i've had a lot of people speak over you know different things and the one thing that i always hold on to is if it's something that god is already speaking to you something that you know that's kind of like your own personal confirmation that this is from the lord and now if it sits wrong with you because you're like mm, this doesn't feel right everything that people say to you we should always take it to prayer um but that was something that you know and he says the lord is going to give you so much and and so all of the suffering is for something and it was just kind of and he said it in other words i mean he's from the uk so he has this like really nice accent and but it was just a confirmation to to what you even to what you just said now how um there is a process like we have to be buried and that's kind of what you know then my dad passed away um last november so it's coming up on two years so there was all of this death in the year um 2021 i was just like why am i experiencing all of this death now like why are all these things happening and um, in 2020 is when the Lord, I mean, this is where all the supernatural stuff comes into place. So my dad was, was dying. Like as soon as he, when he passed away, I, I literally have, I get things all the time. Now I have more encounters. I have a lot of, um, prophetic dreams. I have things, I have some dreams that, that mean something and some that actually are for people. Um, so I'm always praying, asking God to guide me. If this is something I'm supposed to share, if this is something just for me. But in 2020 is where I kind of got into just listening to the Lord guided me to different podcasts and yours was one of them. And so just listening to all of these, oh my gosh, like I'm not alone. I'm not crazy. Like there's other people that have experienced or, or, or want to go deeper or have found more depth in the word. And cause I believe that there's like these treasures that the Lord has in there, but it's for those who will seek him with all of their heart. Right. He says, if you seek me with all of your heart, you you'll find me. And so it's like, those are the treasures hidden in the Bible. Not that they're, it's not that they're 
I guess hidden might not be the right word, but what he wants us to go seek him so that he can trust us with these things so that we can then go and, and talk about it and, you know, give, give the truth and give it a deeper depth. And so, um, so going back to, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. So there's, so I've mentored kids since I was a kid. <laughs> and recently I've been at the church that we're at for 12 years now. And I've just going through the roller coaster of mentoring um, and leading a youth worship team is not for the faint of heart. Um, <laughs> there was one, <laughs> there's one, I mean, cause I'm really trying to teach these kids, look, worship yeah. is not, is, is supposed to be to God and for him, not about us and not just, we're not always supposed to just sing about the benefits in Christ. No, we've got to, we don't even like sing for the people because um, I learned, I mean, I went to college for like performing arts and a lot of different things um, with that. And it's like, you're taught that you're supposed to be like this. You're supposed to have this showmanship that you've got to have this, you've got to have this, you've got to be this cookie cutter worship leader. And no, that's not what God, I mean, think about one of the, the most famous worship leader in the Bible was King David. And he danced recklessly. I mean, he offended his wife the way that he danced in front of the Lord. And so, and I, I have a story where I actually, the Holy Spirit told me to put down my mic. Cause I, so I lead and I don't sing anymore in youth worship. Um, I just kind of take more of like a mentor seat and I let them carry it. And I just kind of help and I encourage them. But um, I do sometimes lead in our main service, maybe like once a month or so. And so I was leading and the Lord told me, and this was like nothing I premeditated. This was, I had no idea. I was actually struggling that day because the song I was given was not in my range. And I was like, but the Lord is taking me through a process where he says, um, don't worry, don't look at your preference, just be obedient. And so that's, that's crazy because coming from a background of where everything, you know, just, um, uh, I trained for, I went to college and my voice teacher, um, the way that she trained me was through opera, Italian opera. And so when you're in that lane, everything is about sound. Everything is about like ear training and pitch and all of this. And so when I'm given something where I'm like, okay, well, this is out of my range. How do I make it work? And so it was kind of like one of those sets on a Wednesday. And all of a sudden I'm like in middle, middle of the song and the Lord says, put like, um, I want you to worship me through your dance. And I was like, okay. So I actually tell the congregation, um, the Lord wants us to worship him through our dance. So we're just going to let the music play and we're going to worship him through our dance. And I told them, if you're, if you're hesitant about that, if this is new for you, I encourage you to step out of your box and just clap. And I told them, if you can't do anything else, just clap. And so um, they responded well and they, and they, and so then I start, you know, dancing on stage and then I hear a voice inside of me say, go put your mic down and run the room. And I'm like, oh no, I'm like, I don't think they're ready for that. <laughs> and so, but I was obedient and I, and, and I saw one of my, one of my youth girls there and she has her flags. I mean, that's a whole other story because I recently, a few years ago, years ago got baptized and then the Lord told me, I want you to grab flags and go flag in your church. And I was like, whoa, my church is not ready for flags. Like, but I did and I didn't I mean, then later on the pastor said, Yeah, you can flag on that side. And but what was happening was God was using me to be that example of freedom. And now there's four girls in my church, younger girls that 
they do that. They go and they worship with flags in Maine and they do it in youth too. And so it's like, what I see now is the Lord is using me because he knows that I, that I'll obey him and he knows that I'm fearless. And, and he knows that when I'm in the spirit of the Lord, I will follow. And so, yeah. So going back to that night, I went, I ran the room. Most people were just kind of standing in their place. And I saw one of my other youth girls just dancing like in the aisles. And I was like, yes, but it was not even like phasing me that there wasn't a lot of people doing it because I was so much just so like I could feel the Holy Spirit just washing over me. And I was just so excited. And I just ran the whole church and I came back on stage out of breath because I mean, I'm not, um, I'm not good anymore at, um, running and singing or, you know, age can do that to you. But, you know, I went up there and and I was just like, Lord, I will. And I just cried. And I was like, Lord, I will do whatever you ask me, even if I'm the fool, I'll be the fool. And he knows that. And so he's asked me to do, I've done crazy things like that in church before I've, you know, but every time after I do it, I notice Mm. there, you know, I see now that there's, there's a giant and that giant is religion. And that giant is, um, control. In 2020, the Lord gave me and my two teenage sons just um, visions and dreams about what was happening in our local church. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what do we do with this? But my husband's like, well, we pray. He's like, we pray. And my husband's a whole other story because his dad, they're from Argentina. His dad had a demon deliverance ministry. I mean, there's a whole other (laughs) stuff there. My husband is it. And so when the Lord started showing me giving me a lot of prophetic things and encounters in 2020. I'm like, wait, this is not my gifting. That's what my husband, like my husband works in that, you know, the Lord gives him prophetic dreams. Like, and so I was kind of like wrestling, like, you know, am I crazy? Am I not? But just what was happening, what the Lord was doing is he was building. And and I have, you know, dreams that go in, like in line with, with what he's doing, but I do want to get to these two encounters. Um, So, this one happened last year. Last year, um, I was, you know, I had my flags. I was in the corner, like on the side by the altar. And all of a sudden, and this is the very first time I had such a vivid vision. Normally, I have like dreams, but the worship team was singing. I was, you know, worshiping there with flags on the, on by the altar. And all of a sudden, like, everything starts fading away. <laughs> like the church is emptied and I start like the music that they're singing, the worship songs are kind of like fading away too. And it's just me there by myself. The whole church is empty. And all of a sudden I look and straight ahead of me is a man. And this man has long hair and he's kind of like, st- he's staring at me from the other side of, I'm trying to explain it right. So I'm standing on one side of the church, he's on the other, but we're both next to the altar. So he's on clear on the other side and he's just staring at me and he's mad. All of a sudden he gets into this position. He's getting ready to run fast towards me. And so he looks at me and, and he starts running, but it's in slow motion. And I'm like, okay. So first I'm, I'm freaking out. Cause I've never had a vision like this where I'm, it's like vivid and I'm in it, but I'm awake and my eyes are open. And so he comes straight towards me and, and his hair is waving in the wind and he's coming, he's charging at me. And so the first thing I do is I start praying and I'm like, 
I just start singing out and I sing, you can't touch me, you can't touch me because I'm marked by the king. He hides me in the shadow of his wings. And I sing this melody that just comes out of me. And as I sing, I'm waving the flags around me. And he gets really close and then he just disappears. And so everything comes back slowly. The people, I see people again. There's like, I can hear the worship, it's going. And then a few seconds later, he comes back and he's standing right in front of me. But he tries to touch me and there's like this, it almost, there's like a barrier, like a bubble. And he tries to reach and he can't. And he gets mad and he disappears. And so I open my eyes and, and now like they're praying because worship is over. And I look up and I see him sitting in the second pew. And we make eye contact. It was a pretty heavy encounter and this happened like in my church in broad daylight. Like, and, and it was just like what, it, what I felt was the Lord was saying, see, I'm protecting you, your words your worship and your words have power. And we're taught that as Christians, but to actually have an encounter where I'm experiencing what I'm saying is it's happening. You know, what I'm saying is it's, he's putting that shield around me. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes, like different ministries that I work with, like just underground stuff. And just, there's a lot of, yes. the enemy is not prepared for the hit he's going to take, first of all. And th there's no backup plan that the kingdom of darkness has for what God is developing. But but they think that they have an offense. But just from hearing that, it makes me think of like, okay, nobody throw a stone at me here. I'm going to use a word. It's going to be a trigger word for some of you as listeners. But this astral plane, this lower heaven dimension that we're in, if we're tuned into the spirit and we're available for what God wants to show us. He's going to show you something. If we haven't experienced that, I don't know what to say to you. I've personally experienced dozens and dozens of things like what you just said. And that is important because God was giving you a vision into the spiritual realm. He was showing you because a lot of times people think witchcraft is like, I have a pointy hat on and I got a yeah. stick and I'm stewing a pot. Right. But the Bible says witchcraft is a spirit of rebellion. You're in rebellion of God's order. You're in rebellion of what God's word says. So there's no order. There's a rejection of what the word says. There's a rejection of the natural flow of gifts. They despise prophecy in, in certain, and I'm not pointing out one church. Yeah. So don't get this twisted. This is universal. This is across yeah. the board. There's a lot of people becoming more aware of this and we're counteracting it by going into a deeper personal relationship with Christ, right? Because we don't want to go start writing books about what everybody's doing wrong. We actually want to yeah. say, okay, God, if you're showing me that this is an error and this is wrong, this is a high time, a high calling for me with fear and trembling to work out my salvation with you, Father God, and to go deeper with you because he's obviously preparing a table for us in the presence of many enemies. Yes. And, and we, we trust him for an overflow. It takes all the weight off of your shoulders when you guys just get into the word, you start to trust God and you start to focus on him. But I believe you were seeing into the spirit world, yes. right? I believe you were seeing somebody who had a heart of rebellion. They were a closed and locked gate. Their gate was not open to, they're not malleable to the Holy spirit, whoever this individual is, right? And this person was not, 
in order with what God was trying to do. And I think that as our light shines bright, the enemy can see our light most of the time before we can see that there's darkness close by. Wow, that's so good. Yes, it it really is. And I do want to share, I mean, that, yeah, this is, these are things that happen now, like very often. (laughs) And so it's, that was kind of one of the heavier ones. And there are some others, but the one that I want, that I would love to get to, um, because it does go with um, just the music ministry and and the mentorship and all of that, that the Lord is building is um, these came in 2021 um, where it was right after. So my church, they, they let me um, do this kind of Easter thing that the Lord gave me. It's a vision about, and it's kind of like the relationship with Jesus and Barabbas. And so we do like, it got bigger and bigger like every year because I'm like, okay, well we could do this. Now we can do this. Now we have a bigger team and, you know, working with a big team and putting like kind of a musical together is a lot of work because there's a lot of personal things that, you know, people have issues. There's just a lot of communication and it's just like the Lord has really showed me um, what it takes, but he's shown me that I have, that he's put it in me and how to like, kind of like work, like work with people that are very different um, and how to have grace and how to have grace for myself. So I bring this up because it it goes with the next thing I want to share quickly. So the Lord really put in my heart to just um, make a place everywhere that that he leads me, a place where people that have these gifts can use them for his glory. And in it was in 2021, um, right after I had done this Good Friday production, um, I had a dream that same night that I was standing on a stage. And this was like a theater. And I was in a theater and there was this young girl and she was dressed um, very fancy, almost looked like a 1920s look, like a flapper look with like a feather in her hair. And she was acting and she turns around. I'm standing backstage and she turns around and looks at me because she was like performing. And she says, you can have fame, fortune and anything that you dream of if you follow my master. And I was like, no. (laughs) in the dream, I knew who she was representing. And I told her, I said, no, I said, I only serve one master and his name is Jesus. You know, I serve the one true creator. And it's like, after I gave my response, she then changed and she looked like this really pale girl with long black hair. And she pounced on me, like she jumped on my, on my chest. And she says, well, now I'm going to kill you. And she says, I'm going to kill you just like I killed all these other worship leaders. And as it's almost like she was showing me pictures in her mind, in my mind. And I saw all these pictures of her chasing and like devouring people. And and she's like, I killed them and I'm going to kill you. And and so she starts chasing me in my dream. I have there's. I don't, I have my sons with me and there's a youth and we're all running and she's chasing. And I remember we weren't scared, but we were running still, but we weren't scared of her. And so I woke up and I was like, wow, this is wild. And then I have another, another dream months later where I'm walking up a hill and it's kind of like, so it, it's like the top of the mountain. It's like, it's a, it's a, there's like this almost like a crater. 
And as I walked up, I saw people with all with lawn chairs, almost like they were looking at something. Um, there was like a show happening and they were all with their lawn chairs. There was like kids of all ages. It was families and they were just watching and they had like snacks that they were eating. And so as I get closer to the top, I look and in this, in this valley, it's a valley of bones. It is a valley and some of the bones still had flesh on them. And it was just, and I was like, it was a lot for me to see, but it's, uh, but the Lord will show me, I'll have these dreams where they're very detailed, but he like, it's almost like where I only see just enough to get the point. (laughs) So it's not like gruesome or I, it's not too much for me to handle. So this was one of those dreams and I see like bones and I see flesh and, and it's like they're they're just there in this big valley. And all of a sudden, as I get closer to the top, I see, I'm trying to describe it. It's like a, um, if you've ever seen where there's a lake and, and people like have a rope that they swing on and there's like a place for their feet. So it's kind of like a wood with like hanging from a tree and it swings. Well, all of a sudden I see a long line of young people and there there's a booth at the very end and there's a man and a woman and these people these young people are are signing a contract and they get on this on this ledge where they're holding onto the rope and the the man and the woman push these people these youth and they're scared and as soon as they swing over the valley of bones they fall and their bodies dismember as they fall into the valley of bones. <laughs> and so I get closer and, and it's like nobody can see, like the people that are surrounding this op- this big crater of bones, are they're just watching in entertainment. They're not scared. They're not horrified. They're just watching in entertainment. And so I get over and I'm, I see this young man and I'm like, don't go there don't sign that contract because they're promising you all of these things. But as soon as you get that rope, you're going to die. You're going to die. And I, I remember looking at his face and it's like, he couldn't see me. He was like in a daze. He was like in some kind of, um, I'm trying to think for the word, like some kind of programming. And it's like, he's, he's confused. He's not, it's like, he's hypnotized. And so this keeps happening and and I'm just like, I'm desperate because nobody can hear me and nobody can see me. And these people are literally signing their lives away and they're, they're going to death. They're, they're signing away their soul. And it's like in the dream, I was even thinking like, wow, this is the entertainment industry right now. Like, this is what's happening. People are are being promised all of these things, but what happens when you step into that? And I'm not saying that everybody that's in it is, you know, chooses, chooses death, but it's like whenever we choose ourselves over over Jesus, we are choosing to die to this to the world, but we're not choosing to die, you know, to our like we're choosing our our fleshly desires over um, what you know our assignment, our heavenly assignment, and that road is the wide one that leads to death and destruction. And so as the dream carries on, I run into the town because I'm just like desperate at this point looking for somebody. And I see my sister-in-law and I told her, I'm like, she's like, oh, we're going to go meet 
our families to, to have dinner at this Mexican restaurant. And I mean, it didn't make, this part doesn't make sense. I don't know. But so I told her, okay, well, let's go. And she, and then I tell her, I said, there's somebody following us. And she's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, there's somebody following us. We have to walk faster. So we walk, she kind of hesitantly walks faster with me. And then I tell her, I'm like, we have to run. And so I kind of pull her along and she still doesn't like hesitant, like she doesn't know what's going on. And, and so we run and we're right into, we're right in the plaza where the Mexican restaurant is. And as we're walking in, I turn because I can feel a presence behind me. I turn and I see this man. And let me pause real quick here. Um, I think this is a hat man, but I don't know. I've heard different people have different encounters with um, different ways that they see him. But I turn around and he has a top hat and he smiles at me and he's wearing um, like a, th- a three-piece suit, but he's not wearing the jacket. He just has the the slacks, the vest and a white crisp undershirt and his sleeves, are, the sleeves are rolled up. And the color of the suit was like a tannish, like a beige color and it was silky. And so he's, he grins and he's, and he's touching his top hat. And so he, he tips his hat at me and like bows. And then he puts his hat back on and he pulls a quarter out of his pocket and he, he throws the quarter up in the air and I can see it coming down in slow motion as it's like coming back and, you know, as he's catching it as he puts his hand out to catch it, I see the coin just like spinning in the air slowly. And so he grabs, he grabs it and it's heads. And I see that it's heads and he, now he positions himself like if he's throwing a bowling ball and he throws that quarter on the floor and he's aiming it towards me and we're running. So I push my sister-in-law into the restaurant first and, and then I'm running and that quarter hits the heel of my foot, of my right foot as I'm running and then I wake up. But as I'm as I'm in the middle of waking up, I'm yelling my husband's name and I yell it like five times and then I wake up. Um, there's another part of this that actually something happens in relation to this in real life, but I don't know if we have time to go into that. <laughs> wow. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... I... I want to hear the other part of it and then we're going to do a hard stop. So let's, let's shoot for like, like a five minute window at this point, but yeah, I don't want the cliffhanger. I know the audience (laughs) is not going to, I mean, it might be a good idea to leave the cliffhanger with the audience and I get to hear it on air and they have to wait until you come back. It's up to you. You, you have full control of this and you let me know um, how you want to spin this. But I mean, this is like what I've shared is not even, I mean, there is so much um, stuff and. I can tell. Yeah. We're definitely going to have you back for part two. So actually what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to clip this and and leave a cliffhanger for the audience. And I'm going to get to hear the rest of the story as we go (laughs) off air here in a minute. (laughs) Um, But I just want to say you're a blessing just because the church or the body of Christ, um, we're waking up and we're all over the place. We're all over the, the globe diversity of of gifts different languages tribes tongues and and 
we're going to continue to get this right as we move closer to the one name that is given under heaven by which we may be saved, Christ Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, right? The Lamb of God. So hearing your story and us putting this out there on on air, I'm hoping it encourages and wakes more people up. Do not bow down or be afraid of the spirit of religion that is out there. Do not bow down to the denominational preferences. Now, in meekness and in humility and gentleness, do we counter that which is not of God, but there also is a time where we got to get a little bit ghetto with the devil and yeah. we just got to be like, you ain't doing this anymore. This is not actually how this goes down moving forward because now a son of God is on the scene. Yeah. Amen. And if they don't like it, you can take it up with my father. <laughs> exactly. And but listen, it's an honor, honor. Give us some closing words for the audience here. And then we're not going to go anywhere because I'm going to finish this story, but Perfect. we're going to leave a cliffhanger for them. Perfect. Well, I just, I mean, with everything that I've shared, I mean, there is so much, there is so much out there that the enemy will try and entice us with and he will try. And, and a lot of it, you know, the battles are in our minds and those, that is where the battle starts because it's a thought. And sometimes it's a thought in our own voice, but it's not us. And the way that we, that we differentiate, okay, is knowing the Bible, the word of truth. That is how we can say, that is not how my father speaks of me. And so we don't have to partner with what the enemy is feeding us. And that's how we stop him from, you know, opening doors in our lives where we get into these cycles and, and you can cycle, you can go up and cycle up with the Lord, or you can, you know, go, go through those cycles and get, and get deeper. And so, as we are given tools, as we hear people's testimonies, as we hear, you know, just even at our local church, the tools that we're given to fight is what will lead us to completing, fulfilling our destiny because we all have a purpose. We all, like, it doesn't matter if you don't have a platform, it doesn't, because not everybody, you know, it's just like you said, Rod, how in in my world, I'm, I'm being impacted. Like I'm being an impact in my city. I'm being an impact. And, you know, a lot of these youth that I've, that I've helped that, um, I've even grown with some of them, you know, they have gone out to YWAM. They've gone out to these ministry schools to get further equipped because they have this desire to, to bring worship, but to bring that radical worship that breaks down barriers, that breaks down the spirit of religion and brings freedom because that is what the enemy wants to hold us in captivity. So we're not free because when we're free, that's when it's like go time and, and the Lord can just completely fill us up and empower us to do his will and where the spirit of the lord is there's freedom amen so this has been a, an amazing wild roller coaster emotional episode just for me listening to your story we're going to schedule something before the end of summer you are going to come back we're going to hit on some more points and it was an honor to have you here on this episode with me so thank you Thank you so much. I'm I'm just um, blessed to have met you and be part of this amazing ministry at Millennial Mustard Seed. Well, that's it. That's the show, everybody. I know this one is going to resonate, so you need to pass this episode along. I want you to share it with your pastor. I want you to share it with your friends, family members, your co-workers. Just pass this episode along because there are people out there that need to hear this. Coming to you from southeastern Pennsylvania. Goodbye.
Yeah. This is Ballhead Brandon. Thank you for tuning in to the Millennial Mustard Seed, my favorite podcast.